0: Thoughts with Steve is brought to you by Anchor. Go to anchor.fm today to start your free podcast or download the Anchor app from all major app stores. Welcome to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. I'm your host, Stephen Goff. After a one-week break from all this election craziness, my fellow political nerds, we are back. We are back to discuss everything political on this week's new podcast episode. So this week, we're going to discuss the 2018 midterm election results. We're going to talk about the winners and the losers of Tuesday's mega, 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 Midterm elections. I mean, I can't even fathom on what happened on Tuesday, and we're going to get into that in our first segment. We're also going to discuss the future of the Democrat Party. Where do Democrats go from here? Where do Republicans also go from here? Um, we're going to talk about this week in Trump. There has been a lot of news Surrounding President Trump especially after the midterm so stick around for that and of course everybody's favorite segment final thoughts of Steve where I will be talking about Veterans Day the importance of Veterans Day public service and to offer some final thoughts to all of my amazing political nerds out there who are ready to get away from the midterms and start focusing on the next two years of work that we have to do so Sit back, relax, open up a cold one. I've got my glass of scotch right beside me, and we will be right back. Stay tuned. Let's get right into it. The 2018 midterm elections, or as Comedy Central and The Daily Show call it, Democalypse 2018. Supposedly, this midterm election was one of the biggest midterm turnouts that we've had in a very, very long time. There was a lot of blue wave movement during this 2018 election. So, to all of my fellow Democrats, congratulations. We have done it. We have finally taken back the House. It would have been nice to take back the Senate, but you know what? We're going to eventually get there. So just keep doing what you're doing. Keep organizing and keep doing grassroots campaigns on issues because it's because of movements like that why we set a huge record during this midterm election season. So to all my fellow Democrats, congratulations. So let's talk about the midterms. What happened during the midterm? So. Midterms for those of you that live on planet Mars or are floating in planet Jupiter. Midterm elections is every two years our nation comes together to go to the polls and to vote on governors, lieutenant governors, uh, state and federal Senate races, and House races. Um, Some cities had mayoral races. I mean, there's just so many races going on, and of course, the ever not-so-popular campaign ads that you get to hear all the time on the radio. So guess what, everyone? Those are over now. So we can finally enjoy music and not you know, be told about which candidate is better or which candidate sucks more. So that is finally done. So let's talk about the midterms. We took back the House Congratulations Democrats You took back the House of Representatives 225 Seats We took in the House of Representatives Which is amazing Because when it comes to the House of Representatives You need 218 To take control of the House So We picked up 225, and there was a lot of states that was once red that went blue with new Congress people. So that is amazing. Now, on the downside, the Republicans still have control of the Senate. So that is another two years or four years of listening to Senator Turtle, Mitch McConnell, and Senator Pinocchio, Ted Cruz, flap their gums about. Stupid things that are not true Is for these two grouchy white guys To continue to be grouchy and hate everyone So we have to deal with that for the next two years But you know what? Good things could come out of the 2020 election So, you know, don't give up hope, Democrats Whatever you all did during the 2018 midterm elections When it came to grassroots campaigning Um Yelling at the top of your lungs about issues, um, battling the white nationalist alt-right movement that has plagued our country for the last two years. Everything that you all did to get the House, we just need to turn it up a notch and go take back the Senate in 2020. I think it can be done. There's a lot of hope there. Um, yeah, there was two seats that was picked up in the Senate. So, you know, we, we fell behind a lot in the Senate. Um, right now, Republicans control 51 seats in the Senate. So, you know, no more days of Mike Pence having to come down to the Senate to cast a tie where I can vote. But, you know what, there's always hope in the Senate in 2020. Um, and hopefully all of you amazing political nerds out there. Are going to pay attention for the next two years at the Senate. We need to start focusing on the issues that the Senate's going to be dealing with. Um, you know the possible appointments that are going to be made by the White House in the next two years. Um, you know, so everyone just needs to take a deep breath, but also be focused for the next two years because we still have a lot of work to do. Now, let's talk about. Individual seats. Congress, as I said, a lot of history was made in the House. We're going to be talking about that in a few minutes, but let's talk about the Senate. So, yeah, Republicans control 51 seats in the Senate. And right now, as it's playing out, there is still recounting going on in the Florida senatorial race. So, we're not going to talk about Florida just yet, but let's talk about Texas. Better O'Rourke, that, that whole election in Texas was one of the most hardcore exciting races I've ever seen in Texas politics. Better O'Rourke took on Senator Pinocchio himself, Ted Cruz, and for those who are new to the show, I will always refer to Ted Cruz as Senator Pinocchio because his nose is getting longer and longer and longer. If you don't believe me, just Google Ted Cruz. In fact, Google Ted Cruz Pinocchio and you will see that that nose of his is just getting longer and longer. I don't know if it's just how his nose was created or maybe it's God's way of telling us that this dude is a pathological liar. I don't know, but that nose, I mean, you know, you could probably stand nose to nose with Ted Cruz, but you'd probably be miles and miles apart. Anyways, so Senator Pinocchio won his Texas seat, but it wasn't by much. It wasn't a blowout like many Republicans were expecting. Um, the, final, the final count, uh, O'Rourke lost by 2%. That is amazing though. Now, yeah, it's a loss, but 2% is better than 10%. You're talking about fifty to forty-eight. That is pretty damn awesome for all of you Better Work supporters. Um, Ted Cruz received four point two million votes in Texas. Better Work a little bit over four million votes in Texas. But you see how close that is. That is less than two hundred, or a little bit over two hundred thousand votes separated Better Work. To Ted Cruz So for those in Texas That have Donated that Campaigned for Better O'Rourke Don't feel like this is a major defeat You guys are rock stars And the issues That Better O'Rourke brought to the table He could be The future of the Democratic Party It would be great to see Beto On a national stage in 2020 um, I called it On Twitter if Joe Biden does decide to run in 2020, I think a great candidate for him, for his vice president ticket, would be Beto O'Rourke. The guy's momentum is huge. He is a national player. Uh, this is something that you never really hear about in Texas. Um, remember, Barack Obama was a nobody until the 2004 Democratic convention when he delivered that huge speech. I did not know who Barack Obama was. A lot of people didn't know who Barack Obama was. If you live in Chicago, you knew who Barack Obama was. You know, a junior senator from Illinois. And if you go back, you know, you could watch his videos when he was in the Senate. But, you know, he wasn't on the national stage until that 2004 convention when he delivered that keynote address. And from that moment on, the whole country was saying Barack Obama is the future of the Democratic Party, and four years later he became our first African-American elected president of the United States. So, anything can happen with better O'Rourke. He could spend the next two years in Congress doing his thing, helping Congress get over this nightmare that is Donald Trump. Or, he may decide to run in 2020. We may hear around January, February of next year that Better Work has decided to run for 2020 for the general election. So, you know, anything's up for grabs. So, for all you Better Work fans out there, including myself, I donated to Better Work, and I live in Alabama. That. To tell you that this guy is the real deal I normally don't donate to political campaigns Because I still believe that a lot of our politicians Are bought by special interests But every now and then there's going to be One or two that come along that Changes my mind and better work Was definitely one of them And the new congresswoman From New York um, She is supposedly the Youngest woman ever elected Into the United States Congress those two were my top two for this campaign cycle, and I donated to them. And I live in Alabama, so as I said, with Better O'Rourke, he has a huge, huge future in front of him. So don't give up. Don't be sad. Good things are going to happen. Take a deep breath, and just let it be, because 2020 is only two years away it's time to take a deep breath and get back into the into the game alcohol politics. So that's the good news that came out of the House. Not really the good news that came out of the Senate, but there's always hope there. Let's go to Florida. Florida governor race between Andrew Gilliam, the mayor of Tallahassee, which is the capital of Florida, and Ron DeSantis. Huge race. I mean, right now in Florida... The votes were so close throughout the night... That... Right now they are going... Right now they are going into a... Um, they are going to go into a... Um, uh, man... It's a Sunday so... They are going to go into a recount so... You are talking about like throughout the whole night... If you are watching... Um... Websites that give you up-to-date election coverage, I go back and forth. Um, I go to CNN and MSNBC and a couple of other uh, .org websites that monitor election results. Um, You know, we were looking at a huge tight race in Florida. Now, Florida, I have been saying it over and over again, Florida, y'all need to get your acts together. Because it can be an election between chocolate and vanilla ice cream in Florida, and there's always going to be drama. Y'all just need to pick a candidate and just go with the candidate. Now, as of tonight, Ron DeSantis is ahead of Andrew Gilliam by 23,000 votes. Right now, we're at 49.6% for DeSantis and 49.2% for Andrew Gilliam. That is four-tenths of a percentage between the two candidates. So, yes, they are going through a recount right now. Um, They could go into another election within the next six months to decide who's going to be the next governor of Florida. Um, But, you know, that is a huge deal when it comes to Florida. I did not expect it to end like this. Florida has now become a toss-up state. They never lean one direction. Alabama, you pretty much know that we're going to vote a lot of Bible-thumping Republicans. No offense to Republicans, but there are a lot of Bible-thumping Republicans here in Alabama. So we know for a single fact that we're going to be electing them. Now, in Florida, though... I was not expecting this to be that close. I was hoping for Gilliam to win in Florida, but I expected DeSantis because of the way how they voted back in twenty sixteen However, I've now been proven wrong that is great. I love being proven wrong when it comes to this chess game that is politics right now, they are only separated by four tenths of a percentage. so if you are following Florida, keep following Florida because. Anything and everything is going to happen within the next week when it comes to Florida. Now, look at the Senate race: Rick Scott and Bill Nelson. They are going to probably go into a recount as well, and that is a huge deal—a huge deal in Florida. Um. Once again, I thought, I thought, um, Rick Scott could possibly get. Uh, Bill Nelson. Um, right now, they are only separated at a little bit around 12,000 votes separated Rick Scott and Bill Nelson. Um, you're looking at 50.1% for Scott and 499 So basically, one little bitty tenth of a percentage point that separates Scott and Nelson so that's probably Going to go either into a recount Or a recall now Why is this important I'm going to remind you some things about Rick Scott and Bill Nelson During the tragedy That happened in Florida Involving the school shooting back in February You know The kids organized they created the The um The movement And you know, they demanded to hear from their elected representatives. Bill, uh, Bill Nelson showed up to that town hall meeting. Um, uh, senator, um, not Cruz, but um, he is, is right there on the tip of my tongue. But the senator from Florida, he showed up. Um, even the bitch from the NRA, and I call her bitch because she's exactly that, She doesn't care about anything or anybody. We're going to get into that woman later and that organization later. But the woman from the NRA, she was there. The governor, though, Rick Scott, was not there because he was too scared to be there to talk to a bunch of kids who just got shot at. So that should tell you about the man's character right there off the bat. Rick Scott has absolutely no character at all. So, when I saw Bill Nelson versus Rick Scott, I've been pulling for Bill Nelson because at least he has the balls to show up. Now, then Florida decided to do their craziness. Marco Rubio was the guy's name. Marco Rubio. I don't know how I forgot Marco Rubio. Anyways, back on the subject. So, Florida decides to go vote on Tuesday. I'm expecting Nelson's going to beat... Um, Rick Scott, I've seen Rick Scott commercials here in Alabama because Mobile is only 45 minutes away from Pensacola. So our news stations um, are the same. So Rick Scott and Bill Nelson, and it's only being separated by one lousy tenth of a percentage point. So that's going to go to recount. So that's something that everyone needs to pay attention to. So. Florida is still up for grabs for the governor race and the Senate race. Now, let's go up north, a little bit north to Georgia. Stacey Abrams, my homegirl, Stacey Abrams, one of my favorite um, people right now in the political scene. And she's going up against that major asshole Secretary of State, Brian Kemp. Now, there was a lot of odds against Stacey Abrams from the very beginning. Brian Kemp is the Secretary of State for the state of Georgia. Now, what does the Secretary of State of Georgia do? Well, he counts election results. So right off the bat, you're running up against the guy who's going to count your ballots. That's an unfair advantage. And there's a lot of influence there in Georgia. So the cards was definitely stacked against Stacey Abrams from the very beginning. But you know what? Crazy thing happened. Stacy Abrams came out of the gate swinging. And right now in Georgia, Kemp is ahead only by 2%. But it is so close. You're talking about separating Kemp and Abrams is about around 60,000 votes. That is a lot of votes separating. Now, supposedly during the night, All the ballots were not counted. There was reports of ballots just sitting there not being counted. So Stacey Abrams sued. They won the lawsuit, and now they're being counted as we speak. Also, lines were so long in Georgia that in a couple of counties, um, Abrams' team sued Kemp's team and got their... Um, election times extended by three hours to make sure that everyone got to vote. So for those who always say, well, your vote doesn't matter, I think when it comes to local races and state races, your vote does matter. Um, Anything and everything can happen on election day. So I watched Stacey Abrams' speech that night. She never conceded. She said, we are not going to stop until every single vote has been counted. Every vote is going to be counted in Georgia. If those votes are not counted in Georgia, if you are a listener that lives in Georgia, I want you to raise Holy Hill about it. I want you to go to the papers, I want you to go to social media. I want you to blow up everything because when don't blow up everything, just speak your mind on everything because when it comes to our democracy, we cannot survive without voting. We have to vote that is why I have been preaching for the last six months how important voting is so you all got off your asses y'all went and voted on tuesday and to everyone that's listening that's a huge fan stacy abrams take a deep breath it's a recount it's stressful but stacy abrams has definitely won my respect and the respect of many democrats all over the country she could also be a contender in 2020 as well. Um, and I see her political future going higher and higher and higher, so we are steadily looking at Florida and Georgia right now, but let's talk about the night's biggest winners women, women, y'all did it. Congratulations, women. One hundred women were projected to win seats in the House of Representatives, a hundred women. No one women have never held more than eighty four seats in the house, and now y'all have over twenty of that. So y'all created a movement in politics, and I I applaud y'all. Y'all are doing great. Um, but let's talk about some first when it comes to women. There were there's new women governors: Alabama, Kansas, and Michigan. All elected women governors, but Michigan. If you're a listener that lives in Michigan, I especially if you're a woman, be very proud. You elected a woman governor, women senators, a woman attorney general, and a woman secretary of state. So in Michigan, you all have turned that state blue. And I have a couple of friends of mine that also have a podcast, and uh, one of them still lives in Michigan. And Debbie Jo, if you're listening to it, I called you Debbie Jo. I finally called you by your right name, not Bobby Jo, like I've always called you. Um, and she spoke about this on her new uh, podcast that was just released tonight, which is a non-mom happy hour, which is our sister podcast. And she was talking. Their episode, they're talking about the elections, and she was talking about the um, women that were running for office and. It's crazy because, you know, if we would be talking about this 20 years ago, you know, women were just getting their start in political offices, really, back, you know, back in the 90s and even in the 80s and 70s. But now the women's movement that is sweeping our nation, I like to call it the women's revolution, hashtag women's revolution. They are sweeping the nation right now. And it showed on Tuesday night. Um, New York, you elected the youngest woman elected to Congress. She was one of my favorites. I donated to her campaign. Uh, Future Congresswoman Cortez, congratulations. You earned that. That was a grassroots Bernie Sanders style campaign. You all have so much to be proud of. Um, We elected the first two Muslim women ever elected in Congress. The first two Muslim women. That is historic. It's starting to show the diversity that is going into Congress now. We elected the first Native American woman to Congress, something that should have been done a long, long time ago. the women's revolution is strong i'm an ally to women i strongly believe that the women's revolution is is the way to the future i'm praying that my niece gets to see the first woman elected president of the united states but there's so much going on in congress with women women were the biggest winners of the night so the biggest losers of the night trump republicans a lot of Republicans that Trump campaigned for lost to Democrats. Democrats said no to Trump's nationalist agenda. Or Trump's white white uh, right-wing nationalist agenda. So Trump Republicans, y'all are the biggest losers of the night. Maybe y'all should go back to your roots. Maybe y'all should go back to being Reagan conservatives. Because you know what? This nationalist movement that's going on in our country right now, that's not going... To be here forever. Our democracy is going to survive this nightmare of Donald Trump and this nationalist movement. So, biggest losers of the night are definitely the Republicans. Y'all may have taken this, y'all may have kept control of the Senate, but it's coming. That blue wave is getting stronger and stronger by the day. Also, Colorado. I always say Colorado is the reddest, bluest state in the country. You all just elected the first openly gay governor. So congratulations. So what's next for the Republican Party? Now, yes, we do talk bad about the Republicans. And it's not because you're Republicans. It's because you all have embraced this nationalist agenda of Donald Trump. But I'm going to give Republicans' advice. What do y'all do from now? Y'all need to reevaluate yourselves. You need to decide right now are you going to continue this nationalist agenda that President Trump has decided to move forward on with this war on the free press, the war of freedom of speech, war on women, the war on minorities? Are y'all going to continue this or are y'all going to change? And that is left to be unseen. If I was a Republican. I start reevaluating everything. Um, why did y'all lose? Because of Trump. Y'all need to understand Trump is not ever going to be the greatest thing in this country. Our country was great before Donald Trump. So, our country is going to be great after Donald Trump. So if Republicans want to gain control of the House in 2020, I suggest that y'all reevaluate your life and decide right now, are y'all going to stay with this nationalist agenda or are y'all going to actually be the party a party of the people? Are y'all actually going to serve the people? So, That is the 2018 midterm election results. We'll be right back. All right, so what's the future of the Democrat Party? What is going to happen since Democrats have taken over the House and a lot of governor seats around the country? Now, what happens next? Now, Democrats don't have control of Congress. or the House just yet. The new term or the new um, congressional session happens in January or the first week of February. So we still have another month to another month and a half of this craziness going on in a Republican-controlled Congress. But a lot of things are going to happen when Democrats take control of the House. You're going to have a new House Majority Leader. Right now, it's looking like Nancy Pelosi. You're going to have a new Speaker of the House. Now, Paul Ryan was already leaving towards the end of the year anyways, but now Republicans aren't going to be able to run for the speakership. So, right now, I haven't really heard of who can take over Paul Ryan's seat. Um, You know, Nancy Pelosi could be elected in Congress again to be the next Speaker of the House. Um, it could happen. Um, there could be other congressmen that will get elected to be uh, speaker of the house. So just be very, um, just be mindful when it comes to who can be the next speaker of the house. Um, there's going to be a lot of things going on, like the first 90 days of a new house. They're going to start looking at, uh, stricter gun legislations. Many of y'all know another 12 people were murdered in California uh, at the beginning of uh, this week. Um, it's like a mother said who lost her son. This woman's son was actually there during the shooting in Las Vegas uh, a couple of years back. And her son was killed in the shooting in California last week. But it's like the woman said, we're sick and tired of your thoughts and prayers. We don't want thoughts and prayers. We want action. So we could be seeing the House getting ready to pass stricter gun reform. Um, Bills that will protect the LGBT communities. um, Bills that will protect Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Three vital programs in our country. That affects millions of people. Um, you know, just different legislation like that. Now, with the new House, I mean, Democrats need to make up their mind right now. Are y'all just going to sit there and just let these next two years just, just right away and just be a lame duck Congress, which will probably result in Republicans taking back the House and fully control of the government? Or are y'all actually going to grow some balls and lead? Because that's why I want to see. I don't know about y'all, but I want to see. I want to see this Congress lead. I'm sick and tired of sending people to Congress where they're literally just going to sit up there and do absolutely nothing. So it's it's time to lead Congress. It's time to lead. Um, another thing is the Russian investigation. Um, We're going to talk about the crazy uh, news conference that happened on Wednesday between Donald Trump and the press. And we're also going to be talking about Jeff Sessions going back home to Alabama, which, don't get me wrong, I am pretty happy about. I do not like Jeff Sessions. I've never liked Jeff Sessions. He's part of that old racist Alabamian tradition that needs to die. But what does that mean for Robert Mueller? Um, the Mueller investigation has been going on for over two years now. And I'm starting to um, I'm starting get anxious because I'm ready to see the full findings of this. But Trump fires Sessions. By fire, he forces Sessions to resign his office. Um, and he puts the interim attorney general in or the acting attorney general which is one of his biggest supporters that he actually saw on cnn like a year and a half ago this guy was defending trump so you know like trump does it's like oh well that guy's defending me so i guess he'll be good for a government job stupid anyways um what does that mean for the russian investigation Um, It's been going on for two years. It's time to start looking at the results of this investigation. Um, This has been a very thorough investigation, so Bob Mueller needs to be protected. Um, But if Trump fires Mueller, or if Trump does anything to push Mueller out of this investigation, the House is going to look at that very closely, and that could be an article of of impeachment. That could be be an obstruction of justice that could be abuse of powers right there, right off the bat and you know for all of you political nerds that have studied Nixon you know you have the Saturday Saturday night massacre when most of Nixon's staff was fired to try to end the Watergate scandal Um, Russiagate is in full swing right now so you know we could be looking at you know, finally, the Russia investigation finally coming to a close um, articles of impeachment. I am close to 100 percent certain that within the next year, you are going to hear about articles of impeachment, including obstruction, degradation of duty and abuse of powers. You're going to be seeing a lot of that um, be brought up in the Judiciary Committee, Committee in Congress. Um. The House, If the House passes their articles of impeachment, it's going to go straight to the Senate. And if any of you all millennials remember how it was during the Clinton impeachment in the Senate, I mean, that was probably the best TV you could possibly watch because of so much drama that was going on in the Senate floor. Now, Clinton was acquitted. He never was impeached, but he got very close to losing his job through impeachment. Um, this would have been the first time in the history of our nation that we would have impeached a president, but hopefully Donald Trump will be the first president to be impeached by our Congress. Now, if Trump is ever impeached by Congress, or if he's ever forced to resign his office, I'm telling you, that's going to be a huge blow to Republicans, especially to the nationalists, and you know, we are just going to be I'm going to be very happy the day that Donald Trump leaves office because I'm ready for this national nightmare to be completely over with. Um, you're looking at new Democratic governors. Um, yeah, you know, as I said, uh, Michigan, Kansas, I think Missouri, uh, Iowa, um, some other states have elected uh, Democratic governors, and that's just saying that the blue wave is coming. Um, now. Is the Democrat Party going to capitalize on the blue wave or is the Democrat Party just going to let this just, you know, just crash and recede back into the ocean? That's the big question. Um, They have a lot of momentum right now, so anything's possible. Um, Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security could be saved. Um, You know, every year Congress defunds these three programs. Every year millions of people hurt because of it especially people that you know are elderly, are poor, that already work two jobs but can't afford health insurance. You know, I mean, you keep defunding these programs, you keep defunding education, you're not serving people, you're just serving the people who have paid millions of dollars to get you elected. And... I cannot wait until we have a Congress that is fully, fully committed to campaign, to campaign finance reform and stop these millions of dollars to be funneled into Congress. I can't wait for that day. Maybe it'll come in my lifetime. Maybe it'll come in your lifetime. Um, but time will tell. So, here's my advice to all of you Democrats out there. If you want the liberal movement to happen and become strong again, I'm telling you right now, as a millennial Democrat, I do not want to see the liberal movement get stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm ready for this blue wave, progressive Bernie Sanders movement that he created back in the 2016 election. I'm ready to see politicians start talking about free college tuition for kids to go to state colleges. Um, More uh, better benefits for our military, um, strengthening Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, um, uh, free health care for all or a universal health care system. I'm ready for that movement to take over Congress. And I believe that is the future of the Democrat Party right there is a party that is getting behind strong social issues and saying, you know what? The old days are over. It's time for a new day in Democrat politics. This is what we're going to get behind. This is what we're going to push in Congress. And this is what our people want. Um, this new blue wave is listening to what. The overall majority of Americans are talking about right now, and health care is definitely a huge topic of discussion. So, Democrats, your future is looking pretty bright right now, but you have two years to make an impact. Are you going to start getting the job done, or are you just going to sit there and just let this nightmare continue? That is the question I'm asking all of you Democrats. This is the future of the Democratic Party right now. Who are y'all going to pick to lead the Democratic Party? Is it going to be Pelosi? She would make a pretty good majority leader. I'm not putting down Nancy Pelosi, but I do disagree with many of her positions. Are you going to get behind um, Better O'Rourke? He's a congressman. He's a congressman from Texas. He... Is a huge name right now in politics. Get behind Better O'Rourke. I think he is the future of this party. I strongly believe he is the future of this party. Him and Cortez and other um, progressive Democrats who were elected in the cycle—they are the future of this party. And I think it's time for the party to actually get away from the party of old and start looking at fresh new ideas that our younger generations are coming up with because. If you look at our national debt like I do, 80% of that national debt is because of defaulted student loans. We need to fix the problem of student loans. We need to tell public universities that it's time to stop charging students 120% in tuition every single year. Um, There's a university where I live that every year there's a huge tuition increase, and is driving students further and further into debt. You have 18-year-olds who are leaving college with over $100,000 worth of college debt. Those days need to stop. Either you need to come up with programs that will reduce that debt or go ahead and pass student forgiveness or student loan forgiveness. Um, healthcare, we need to do better than Obamacare. Um, Obamacare, I know, was a huge deal when it was passed, and, you know, I was very excited with Obamacare, but you know what? Obamacare actually did fail us. Um, yeah, it got everyone insured, but it did not do anything to lower premiums. Um, best example: my family is still paying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in medical premiums. Um, same thing with your families. Your families are paying so much money in health in health premiums. We need to get away from that. We need to let's create a new bill that would create a ceiling. For insurance companies, insurance companies can only charge this amount of money for premiums, no more. It's time to take some of this power away from the insurance lobby, because as long as this insurance lobby is more and more powerful every single year, that lessens the chances of us actually seeing um, universal health care getting passed in Congress and signed in by a president that actually cares about the people and not by himself. Um, gun legislation, you know, there was another mass shooting in California and our hearts are with the people in California right now. Um, 11 college kids were gunned down at a nightclub and, you know, this is becoming all too regular. Um, Children getting gunned down at a high school in February. Um, A nightclub in Orlando getting shot up. Um, The concert in Vegas that was shot up. It's getting out of hand. And not to mention the thousands of people that are losing their lives every single day to gun violence. Especially in cities in California and cities in Illinois, including Chicago, um you know kids being rushed to the ER with gunshot wounds to their heads because the NRA has the biggest voice now I'm going to go on my NRA rant right now so if you are a member of the NRA I suggest you skip over this last segment um if you are a republican that believes the NRA is very good for our country I highly suggest That you go ahead and skip over the next 30 seconds to the next minute. Because y'all are not going to want to hear this. But to those who are sick and tired of the NRA. This is my thoughts on the NRA. The NRA does not care about you. The NRA only cares about the Second Amendment. Because the Second Amendment is nothing but a scandal to get money off of everyone else. It's a money laundering scheme. When it comes to our Second Amendment rights We have the right to bear arms That's great I've never been against the Second Amendment However, the NRA does not care about the Second Amendment The NRA does not care about you They don't care about your children They don't care about your grandchildren They don't care about the next 100 kids That's going to lose their lives tomorrow Because of gun violence They don't care As long as guns are being manufactured and sold in our country And as long as there's money being made Over Guns, then they they win. They're going to continue to win until the American people decide that it's time for the NRA to become a thing of the past. Dana Loesch, on the day of the tragedy in California, Dana Loesch tweeted out that now the liberals are going to come and get your guns. I'm a Democrat. Not once have I ever thought that we need to come and get everyone's guns. That's not going to solve this problem. However, we need to keep guns out of the hands of people that don't need a gun. People who are suffering from mental health, don't need guns. Um, we need to hold gun owners complete responsible for the damage that those weapons are going to make. Um, A friend of mine suggests that we need to start treating guns like we do with cars. You get insurance on that gun. You register that gun. You go through training classes with that gun. And every year you have to be recertified in that gun. I completely agree. If I have a gun in my truck and someone breaks my truck and steals my gun and shoots someone in the head, I should also be held responsible for that because it was my gun that caused that death is it unfair to me yeah i didn't pull the trigger but my gun committed that damage it took that life that gun did exactly what that gun was designed to do which is to kill but you know this isn't a hunting issue this isn't like i come from a family of hunters you know after thanksgiving you know, we always go up to our family our family home and we, uh, we go hunting. And, you know, it's just something that we do. And, you know, I don't look at the Second Amendment just so I can go hunt. The Second Amendment was designed for Americans to protect themselves from the government. And guess what? A war between the government and the people is not going to be fought over muskets. It's going to be fought over drones and Americans with guns, that is what that war is going to look like if that war ever happens. Probably not. But that's why our founding fathers gave us our Second Amendment rights, including well-formed militias. I don't see well-formed militias that many anymore except for the crazy Trump supporters in the southern states. Um... But when it comes to the NRA, the NRA does not care about you. They do not care about me. They don't care about my son. They don't care about my nieces and nephews. They do not care about your children, your grandchildren, your family, your friends. They don't even care about that poor little girl that's going to get shot in the head in Chicago today. They do not care. The NRA only cares about themselves. They only care about guns being bought and sold. That's it. So, every time there is a murder happening in this country involving gun violence, point the finger to the NRA and point the finger to the person that committed these acts of violence in our society. It is never going to get better as long as the NRA and politicians that have been bought by the NRA are in power. It's never going to get better. So, if you want to change, go create that change. Say no to the NRA. Encourage people to revoke those memberships in the NRA, drown the NRA's cash flow, and start talking about the NRA and what dangers that they have committed towards our country in the name of our Second Amendment rights. So that's my take on the NRA. Um, If Democrats are smart, they would hop on gun legislation right now. And start forming what their platform is going to be for the next two years. And hopefully something good is going to come out of this Democratic leadership in the House of Representatives. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Political Thoughts with Steve Welcome to our second favorite Discussion of Our weekly podcast This week in Trump where we Look at the crazy things that our Fearless leader and commander in chief have said Throughout the last seven days or In our case in the last 14 days Um So right after the midterms Donald Trump had a press conference And boy what a press conference It was He Blames Republicans that did not embrace his nationalist agenda for losing their races. He blames Republicans in general for not keeping control of the House. He blames liberals. He blames everybody. But the one person he does not blame is himself. Donald Trump never blames himself. And then it got a little bit heated because... During a press conference, the key word is press. The "quote-unquote" enemy of the people, the press. So, Jim McCose of CNN, asks his question about the Russian investigation, and right off the bat, Trump starts accusing him of bad reporting and accuses. Jim Acosta of doing a crappy job. He accuses of CNN, saying CNN should be ashamed of this kind of reporting. And throughout the mix, an intern gets up to take away the microphone. And supposedly, Jim Acosta quote-unquote assaults this intern in the process. Now, I've watched the video over and over and over again, and not once did I ever see Jim Acosta assault this intern. Um... But the White House released a video, and you could obviously tell that it is a doctored video, um, which, you know, goes back to what I've always said about this White House. This White House believes in fantasy over reality. So anything it takes to make the enemies of America, the quote-unquote enemies of America look bad, I don't think the media is the enemy of America. I think that our free press... Is a vital part of our constitutional republic. Um, And if you look at previous administrations, Trump's administration isn't the only administration that the press has been tough on. They were tough on Obama's. They were really tough on George W. Bush, really tough on Bill Clinton's, Reagan's, George H.W. Bush, all the way back to when the press was allowed to be an inside entity within the White House. And the president's administration. Their job isn't to be friends of the president. Their job is to report the news and to report what's going on within our government. Um, Is the press, or can the press influence? Yes, they can. Uh, I'm not saying that the press are always innocent. Um, Prime example go look at the crap that you watch on Fox News. I mean, you know, that is definitely part of Trump's uh, propaganda machine. Right there. Um, And, you know, all of their programming is focused on the old Republicans that sit in their house all day and watch Fox News. Um, But yeah, you know, there's not many press organizations out there that are straight down the middle anymore. But the overall purpose of the press is to find the truth within the alternative reality that this White House is currently living in. So Jim Acosta gets accused of assaulting an intern during the press conference and if you haven't seen it just YouTube the press conference. Watch Jim Acosta. He did not do anything to this intern. This is just a bunch of crap that's coming out of the White House, and it's continuation of Trump's war on the free press. Um, he called um, uh, National Public Radio um, the woman who got up and asked a question. Race, he basically called this woman a racist for asking a quote unquote racist question, and and the woman was asking him a question based on um, you know the numbers that he has when it comes to Trump claiming that you know he is extremely popular amongst African American voters. So right off the bat, he calls the woman a racist for asking a racist question. Um, Anything involving the Russia investigation, uh, he gets automatically upset about. He still says that this is a witch hunt. The Russia investigation isn't a witch hunt. It's already been proven that Russia had influence within the 2016 election. Russia could also have had influence within the 2018 election. We don't know that yet for sure, but I'm sure the studies are going to be done. I'm sure that Investigations are going to be done from now on to make sure that no one interfered. And the reason why this is become a, is going to become a commonality is because we use electronic voting. If we stayed with paper voting, like when I voted on Tuesday, we did everything by paper ballots. And yeah, they're tedious, and they can be quite frustrating trying to read. But I always, but you can't hack a paper ballot. Um, now, you can take a bunch of paper ballots and go put them in a warehouse somewhere and not count them. Yeah, You can always do it that way, but you don't have to worry about a, another country infiltrating our election if we stayed with paper ballots. Now, everything electronic is so easy for someone to hack into our election process now. And that's exactly what happened in 2016. So, did Russia... Did Russia take over that election in 2016? Absolutely. That's already been proven. What's being, what's being investigated right now is, was President Trump involved in that? In my personal opinion, I think yes, because every time he's asked that question, he gets extremely angry. And when Nixon was asked about Watergate, he always became extremely angry. It's funny, because when people are guilty of a crime, they get so angry at someone accusing them of that crime. I mean, you can just tell. Trump is guilty of something. And we have to keep our elected officials held up to a high standard. Donald Trump is doing his absolute best to continue to divide our country and to make the press the enemy of the people. The press are not the enemy of the people. The White nationalist alt-right movement is the enemy of the people. That is what's dividing us even more every single day of the week. And we need to say enough is enough. We need to come together and say we're done with this nationalist movement. We're done with Trump. Um, today, Trump is in Paris or he's in France. He refused to attend a veterans a veteran ceremony because of the rain. Now, for all you Trump supporters that are going to defend him, let me remind you, if you go to DC, if you go to Washington DC, there's a place called Arlington National Cemetery. And at Arlington, there's something called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, and this tomb is guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year by members of our United States Army. And I have seen the changing of the guard plenty of times. and I'm telling you, it is one of the most iconic things to see in our nation's capital. And if any of y'all are going to D.C., go to Arlington and go watch the changing of the guard because it is It's remarkable to watch. But these people, they march in the rain. They don't even have umbrellas. They are marching in uniform in the pouring rain. The only thing they have is a raincoat on. They march for four hours guarding this tomb in the rain. If it was snowing and freezing, they are still out there marching and defending this tomb. And for President Trump to say, well... I'm going to cancel my appearance today because it's raining is the dumbest asinine shit I've ever heard in my life. Even Barack Obama, the person that Republicans have claimed was the Antichrist from the beginning, at least he attended veteran ceremonies in the rain with an umbrella. This president doesn't even have the balls to do that, and that is disrespecting. That is disrespect to me and to veterans all over this country and to those who died in World War I. It is a slap in our face and I refuse to tolerate that. This president has no balls. This president does not care about our military at all. He only cares about himself. Y'all should have went with John Kasich. At least John Kasich would have had the balls to stand the pouring rain to honor our veterans and honor our military dead that lost their lives in World War I and in World War II. We have thunderstorms happening in my area over the next couple of days, and it put a damper on our Veterans Day festivities that they had to cancel them, except for one. But knowing Southern people, rain or shine, if there's a Veterans Day parade, we go down there and celebrate our veterans. As a veteran, I go down there and celebrate my brothers and sisters who have come before me and have left the military with me. And this president has the balls to say, I'm not going to go to a military event because it's raining. Ronald Reagan attended events in the rain. He never melted. He just showed that he was more patriotic than the guy who's sitting right now in the White House. Hey, Republicans, grow some balls. Get yourself another president because Donald Trump, he's killing your party. We'll be right back. And welcome back to our final segment, titled Final Thoughts with Steve. This is my favorite segment of the show. This is where we don't really talk about politics that much. We just talk about what's going on in our country. And it's like a, I always call it like a sit down talk with all of you, the listeners. And, um, you know, it always comes after my Trump rant with the last segments with um, this week in Trump. And, This is a way for me to cool my blood pressure down, and for all of my Republican listeners, welcome back. So, as many of you all know, this weekend is Veterans Day weekend. I am a proud veteran of the United States Navy. I love my Navy. I love my, my friends and my brothers and sisters who are serving all over the world. And... This is my favorite day of the year. Some of y'all may love Christmas. Some of y'all may love Halloween, Thanksgiving. Um, I'm from the birthplace of Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras is always one of my favorite times of the year. But my favorite day of the year is Veterans Day, because that's when the whole country comes together to celebrate our veterans. Our veterans are heroes, Many of y'all know a veteran in your life. Many of y'all had a grandparent who served, or an uncle who served, or a brother, sister, mother, or father that served our country. One of the greatest honors of my life was putting on the uniform of the United States Navy and serving my country for six years. But this is a special week, and you know... Yeah, we get that day off from work on Monday, but that doesn't really matter to me. Coming together and celebrating our American heroes, that is what means the world to me. Now, I preach every single week on our podcast to always go thank a veteran, to tell a veteran that you love them and that you're thinking about them and you support them. Because, you know, the military isn't for everybody. Um the military was right for me because I needed a change in my life and I wanted to serve my country. I wanted to do something that was bigger than myself. And I also needed a job in 2007, but enlisting in the military was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So this weekend is veterans day and I have been blessed this weekend because I had a friend of mine who came down. She's in the Navy and, you know, we got to explore my city and I got to show her around and show her some things about, you know, the culture that our city has. But being able to talk to someone about Navy stuff and reminiscing about old Navy memories was the highlight of the weekend, and I really enjoyed her being down here. It was really fun, and hopefully I'll be able to get to travel up north and see her and a lot of my uh, Navy brothers and sisters very soon. Um, But, you know, everything gets put in retrospect because, you know, we have a country of hundreds of thousands and possibly millions of veterans, and, you know, we're all part of this big family. If you're a veteran, I want you to just sit back and just, Just think with me. Remember the day that we reported to boot camp? That hellacious night of being yelled at, being screamed at, um, being made into something extremely small, being broken down completely. Y'all remember that night? The first thing... I remember after the yelling and screaming, there was this RDC instructor. He said, now you are part of the world's largest family. Look to your left. Look to your right. These are your brothers and sisters. You will take care of each other. And you may one day possibly die for one another. You are part of something that is much larger than yourself. So you need to show this more respect than you've ever thought. And none of that hit me until the first day I stood in front of a mirror wearing a uniform. That's when it hit me that I was a part of something that was much larger than myself. Now, I have so many memories of my time in the military. I was on an aircraft carrier so You know, I I miss the smell of jet fuel. I miss hearing the catapults launching. I miss hearing the arresting gear wires catching F-18 Hornets when they came and landed on the ship. I don't miss general quarter drills at all. And for those in the Navy, y'all understand general quarter drills. Um, But I miss my brothers and my sisters. So, you know, being able to hang out with a member of the Navy family and to talk about the old memories was a, was a delight. So if you're listening, it was awesome having you in town this weekend and thank you so much for hanging out. It was, it was fun. Um, but you know, this week we, we think about our veterans and you know, there's a lot of things still going on within the veteran community. Um, veteran homelessness is still high. Um, Veteran jobless rates are still high. Um, we need to create programs within our communities that would help get veterans off the streets, get them through drug and alcohol rehabilitation programs, and to get them back into society, get them back working. Because you know, a veteran wants a job. A veterans not going to beg for a job, though. That's not what we do. We do not beg. We are definitely never going to beg for a job. We're a proud group of people. And sometimes that could be a good thing. Sometimes it could be a bad thing. Um, But, you know, when it comes to our veterans, I mean, we need to be more... um, We need to be more um, caring towards our veterans. Um, The day I got involved with veterans, it was a day in 2013. Um, It was a really, really bad day. I was having one of the worst days of my life. And I was downtown and I sat in the park downtown. I was sitting on a bench and there was a group of homeless veterans talking. And, you know, when veterans are talking to a, veteran it catches your ear because they're talking about something that you know you know about so i became involved in that conversation and they were telling me about their struggles and i actually shed a tear that day and um a guy looked at me he was a vietnam veteran he said don't weep for us go and help your generation Remember your brothers and sisters. Help your brothers and sisters. And that was the day I promised that I would help take care of my brothers and sisters. So every veteran's day reminds me of that conversation, and every day after that day I have I have busted my butt to help every veteran I have ever met in my life because they our veterans deserve our respect. They don't deserve being ridiculed because they live under a bridge. You have no right to judge anybody. You do not know what that person has been through. So to all of our veterans, thank you for your service. Thank you for the sacrifices you made. That was a a poem that I came across um, this week. And, you know, it embodies veterans. Um, It says, you know, there are not words big enough. There's not a hug strong enough. There's not a smile wide enough. All I can offer is thank you. You are my hero. You are my thoughts. You are my prayers for all you've done. Thank you. I never experienced or I never expected to thank you when I was in the military. Never, exp- never wanted to thank you because what I was doing, I strongly believe, was it was my duty as an American to serve my country. But to all my brothers and sisters out there in podcast land, thank you for your sacrifice to our nation. Thank you for your service to our nation. Thank you for those who are still serving in our military who are keeping us safe every night that we go to bed. Thank you for to those who have dedicated their lives to public service. This is a week or a weekend that I'll never forget. So t- to everyone that are veterans, I love y'all. I'm thinking about all of y'all. And if you ever need help, never be afraid to ask. Anybody. So there's a lot going on right now in our world. We're healing from the midterms of the last six months. We're trying to bridge the divide within our communities. It is up to us to always be better human beings. It's up to us to make the world a better place. And with that, that's final thoughts with Steve. To all of our veterans, once again, thank you. We love you. To all of our active duty service members who listen, we love you all. We support you all. We are here for y'all. Um, remember to thank a veteran this weekend. In fact, every single day, go thank a veteran. Just a random veteran that you meet on the streets that you see when those you know Vietnam hats or Operation Iraqi Freedom hats, You know, if they have a veteran hat Thank you for their service. They're not expecting it, but it's always good to be reminded that, you know, we still matter, especially in a world that, you know, sometimes veterans are forgotten. The one thing I love about our nation is we don't forget our veterans, even though that some members of Congress may. We as a people in general, we don't we do not forget about our veterans. So make sure that you think a veteran today tomorrow for the rest of the week for the rest of the year go thank a veteran also if you are a follower of our show on Twitter we have over 1,000 Twitter followers so to the 1,000 plus Twitter followers thank you so much for following us Thank you so much for supporting us this is this has been a great journey that is going to continue. For a very, very, very long time. Now, if you're on Twitter, but you haven't followed us yet, go to at official PTWSTEV. That is at official PTWSTEV. Click that follow button. We are always posting something on our page like every five to ten minutes. So make sure that you follow us. Also, if you want to be a sponsor of our show, we cannot do things without our sponsors. Um... And you could sponsor us as little as a dollar a week or five dollars a week. I think the most I've seen was a hundred dollars a week. That would be great. Um, But if you want to sponsor our show, go to anchor.fm, search political thoughts with Steve. You'll go straight to our page. There is a button that says donate. Click that donation button and donate to our show. Um, Right now, we are looking for sponsors. Um, We would love to be sponsored. So if any of our listeners you know, belong to other podcasts or other uh, organizations that would love to sponsor us, send us a direct message on Twitter and let us know that you want to sponsor us and we will get all the details and we'll get everything figured out. So we are definitely on a roll to be a successful podcast and it's because of you all our amazing political nerds and our listeners Why our podcast is becoming successful. So thank you all so much for your love and your support. Um, You know, we had to take a week off after the midterm elections. Um, We had some technical difficulties, but we were also kind of burned out from the midterms. You know, it's been a long six months of, of rallying the troops. To try to make our country better. So, thank you all for your patience. We are back. We will be back again for a new episode next week. So, for everyone here at Political Thoughts with Steve, I'm Stephen Goff, reminding you all to go thank a veteran today, go thank a service member today. Thank you for listening. Go check us out on Twitter. And to all of our amazing podcast family, thank you all so much for the love and support. We all love you. And to the girls at Non Mom Happy Hour, You women rock. So love each other. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you all next week. And this has been this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. Brought to you by Anchor. We'll see you all next week.